Good morning from me. What a privilege to be back. Um, I'll just answer some of your questions now at the start, because I know how kind you are. You'll ask, did my family and I have a nice time on our holiday? Yes, we did. So thanks. Um, I, I was ill before we went away, and I'm better, so thanks for asking me about that as well. And then, here's my whereabouts for the next couple of weeks slash month as well, for us to be praying together. It, um, so, me and Phil are here throughout the week to serve you uh, as best as we can. And um, next Saturday, I'm a speaker at a conference in Deeside all day, and then on the Sunday there as well. So, then I'm back, and God willing, towards the end of the month, we'll have uh, Bob's Thanksgiving service. Then in July, and this does include you, well, this bit doesn't, but in July... They, I'm a speaker at a week-long conference for homeschool children. I, I don't homeschool. I told them that, but they asked, they said, you can speak on anything I want. So, pay attention, the special for this month, because at that conference I want to preach through the book of Esther. That's where the Lord's guiding me. So the special for this month, as in the third Sunday here, which is June the 18th at 6 p.m., I'm going to stand there, we're going to open the church doors, and I'm just going to read Esther from start to finish. So if you want to come and hear Esther read, that's June 18th. Then I'm racing back because two of our people are getting married here. Nick and Rachel. Are they here? Hey, they're getting married. So pray for Nick and Rachel. That's July the 14th. Shall I ask you to stand? No, I won't. Yeah, go on. Go on. Do it. Do it. Go on. Get up. Hey. So uh, get to know them and pray for them. Give them all your collective tips for a happy marriage or that they have to pull out quickly because it's a disaster to avoid. Whatever you want to say to them, they're there. So busy month <coughs> coming up, month or two. Now then, in all of that, um, I got a burden to fire us up through all of life's busyness. And I'm asking us a question this morning, and it's this. Uh, as we go through John, we've got to chapter 13. What is church? What should it be in a busy time? Because we've got busy, we're always busy. What should we be like? And here's the text, it's just a text today. And it's chap uh, chapter 13, 34 and 35. This is Jesus speaking. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how we've got to be in a busy time. That's what we get to be as a church. So I want everybody listening and at home, if you're not a Christian, to join the delight of following and obeying the words of Jesus because that's life. That's the Christian life. That's salvation. And he says clearly as the captain of chief and chief in chief, captain in chief, the boss of planet earth, love one another. Alright? And he says that because he's going somewhere in this passage. I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, but you'll say, where's he gone? Because I'm going somewhere that you cannot come. Right? So he's prepping his family, his church, on how to live when he's, when he's not here physically anymore. Because he's going somewhere. Like, where's he going? Well, he's going to die 
for the sin of the world. Then he's going to rise and defeat death and sin. Then he's going to ascend and go back to his father. Trinity Sunday, the son is currently next to his father. All right? And so he preps his church on what to do in his absence of his physic physicality. And by the way, we're still in this period of time because he's not here physically at the moment, depending on your view of communion, which is another sermon I'm not going into. But for now, we'll just say he's currently in heaven. So this is for us. And this is sad, this passage, because if you have lost a loved one, you'll know that the worst bit is that they're not physically there anymore at the moment. And that's the tough bit. And for Jesus and his friends, they're not going to get to walk around with him as a public citizen anymore. And you know that's hard when your friends go for a while. They won't travel around Israel together. They won't go to parties at Bethany or Cana. They won't confront the Pharisees together. Their friend, Jesus, he's a good man. He's the best. And he's going away for a while. So they're sad. And we think of Bob. And he was a good man. And he's gone away only for a while. Only for a while, but we feel the absence. So this chapter is from Jesus on how Park End Church should be in this period when he's up there and we're down here. And this is my message. Whatever's coming up this week or this month, what does the Lord want this church to be like as a church in this state of waiting? Because it applies. And here it is. In the absence of the physical Jesus... This is how he wants humans to live. All of us in this room. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you love one another. As Jesus has loved you, you look to the person next to you, and your calling is, you love them the same way. This is, this is a sermon where the rubber hits the road. And if we do that, then Cardiff takes notice of Park End Church, and they're like, Tell you what, there's something about that group and this Jesus that they follow. Note, the command is not pour all your effort into squabbling over the piano or the organ or the clarinet or the curtains or the blinds or what's Owen wearing or what's the person next to me smell like or what's the food like later. Silly little energy sapping distractions that church too often goes down. Do not obsess over these things. Obsess over this. Get on with it. Love one another as Jesus loves you. That is church. The curtain stuff, not church. Cardiff doesn't come to church when we're squabbling over that. Love one another and then they come. And here's a quote I read from Peter Jackson. Ready? I think it captures this chapter. If you work at love, you will find love at work. Good, isn't it? If you work at love, you will find love at work. Now, I think Peter Jackson was talking about filming The Lord of the Rings. So I'm going to apply it a bit differently because I like the point. Anyway, here at Park End, if you work at love, you will find love at work. Now let me tell you a story about my family holiday. We stayed on a farm, I think. Did we? 
Rita's shaking her head. We didn't stay on a farm. Right, there's so, it looked like a farm to me, and there was a man there doing what I look, describe as farming-type stuff. Right, and his name was Pietro. Pietro, he didn't really speak English, but we were staying on his land. And he lived just around the corner. But he was there in the day doing his, like, olive oil stuff. And um, then he'd go in the night. Right? Anyway, for some reason, when I was trying to get to know him, that thing happened where he became convinced that I was a complete dunce and I needed a lot of help in life. He just looked concerned for me. It never happens when Rita meets anyone. It happens when I meet and speak to people and he would watch, like, how I am, I guess, or something. I don't know. But it got to that point where he felt he needed to advise me, you know, just to get through life. Happens a lot. And so he gave me tips on how to be, like, in his absence in the night when he'd go home to his wife. And for example, I told him I was going to do, I got Google Translate out, oh, I'm planning to do a barbecue tonight. And he looked worried. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so then he pointed to the wood. And I was like, yeah, I get, I got to light the wood. I know that, Pietro. Then he pointed to the little twigs. And he said, you've got to start with the twigs. And like, I know, I know I get that bit. You don't start with the chunk because it doesn't catch fire. Anyway, I, I nipped out, came back. He had lit, he lit the thing for me. He, he even did that. And at one point, he was going like this. You get the match? Light the wood. I'm like, dude, I, I got that bit. Anyway, he then, he said, oh, what are you going to cook? Steak. He looked worried. So he goes, you cook it that side. You turn it. You cook it that side. I'm like, all right. Thanks, Pietro. I was going to actually do that. Uh, anyway. So, anyway. And then I would speak to him and he'd go, no, no. And he'd be worried. And now in the house, I say something to the boys and they go, no. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, that was Pietro. And in his absence, here's how I'm to survive and get through. <laughs> anyway. Right, so here's someone else concerned on how to live during his absence. You ready? Here's the, the better Pietro. How do we survive as a church and flourish? A new command I give you, love one another. It's the same thing. You cook the steak both sides. But here's something even better. Love one another in my absence. That's church, okay? Now, the Moses lovers in the room will know that you'll be asking, is that a new command? Because I've heard that before. Because you'll have read Leviticus chapter 19, where the church has already been told by Moses, don't take vengeance on each other, look after your people, love your neighbor as yourself, says the Lord. So you're asking, well, what's new about this new commandment? And that's a good question. And there's two answers to that and why it matters. The first answer of why this is sort of new when Jesus says it is, for the first time now, People have seen Jesus live this great command out, and no one's ever done it as well as him. All right? Think daily, all the time, about Jesus and what he was like. Like the Old Testament, they loved each other. You had priests and prophets and the tabernacle showing you what it looked like. Now, here's the best version. Ah, oh, Jesus. He's just the best. Um, you know, loads of comments about Bob and just how much like Jesus he was. Isn't it? How amazing, like the icon of how to do life properly is the Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone who's like him, oh, they're just filled with life and we love them. 
um, but best modeled with Jesus, right? That's a mini version. And then the second version way, it's a new commandment, and this is the super important point, is in verse 35, because he says, if you do this now, everyone will know that you follow me. Everyone. Everyone in the world is now going to know about the Lord Jesus Christ by the way you are with your church family and your work colleagues and people at home. Because at Pentecost, for the first time, the Holy Spirit empowered the apostles to go out and take church of the whole world. So guess what? When you came to church this morning, you didn't have to travel to Israel and learn Hebrew. You could come to Cardiff and follow along in English. Because now church has gone global. Right? So, let's apply all this. Cardiff is watching. Beyond Cardiff because of technology. Um, and our loved ones and their walk with God sort of hangs on this. That we love each other the way that we've been loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is massive. That we are his body while he is in heaven. That's what the church is in Cardiff. And Peter Jackson says, if you work at love, you will find love at work. Now yesterday, I was invited to a friend's house and I had the best pizza that I have ever had. And I had heard about these pizza makers before, so I was looking forward to going. And the invitation was coming for a while. And previously, I had texted this pizza maker, who I won't put on the spot and say, uh, I said, right, how do you make your pizza so nice? Send me the recipe. So he sent me a recipe. And it was the longest set of instructions I'd ever seen in my life. And I had a family coming over that I was going to cook pizza for. Incidentally, he's the new minister in Lanishan Evangelical Church over there. So he came over. And the problem with the instructions were they were so long, I skimmed them. And then I was making the dough... And I got to cook the pizza, and what I served in the end was like this crumbly like biscuit with holes in it. And they haven't been back, so our friendship with Lanish and Evangelical Church is on the rocks because of this pizza. Anyway, I text my pizza man. I said, hey, the pizzas were no good. And he goes, do you follow the instructions? And I said, I might have skimmed them. And he said, that's your fault then, isn't it? Except he said it more polite than that, because he's more polite. Did you slow down and take care for the dough? I said, no. I skipped it. He said, you've got to knead the dough to get the pizza. Peter Jackson says, if you work at love, you will find love at work. The Lord Jesus Christ says, if you work at love, the world will change. If you want the world to know about the pizza, take care with the dough. And he repeats that in John 17. And he says, Father, the world will know that you've sent me if my people are united in love. If they're working at the dough. It's interesting that no one just goes home now after church and thinks my dinner is just going to be wonderful and just appear on the table without working delicately at the ingredients. And we so often think 
The end product of church is just going to be amazing. And Carl's going to take notice. But none of us are actually working on the loving each other bit. It doesn't work like that, see? It doesn't work with your dinner at lunch. It doesn't work with church. I meet lots of churches. Well, not lots, but some. And they're cold, miserable places. They're not growing. You can almost guarantee they're not working the dough. They're taking shortcuts. The difference is this. You come to church with a clipboard. You grade Richard Barrett. You grade Roland's Prayer. You grade Owen. You go home. That's it. That's not kneading the dough. You come to church prayerfully and you're like, this matters and I'm in it. And I'm going to love the person next to me and pray for them and be like Christ for them. Let me get personal. We can say we're gospel people till the cows come home. If you can't stand me, and I can't stand you, and you can't stand the person next to you, Cardiff is not going to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen and reigning this morning. Do you believe that? Love is a floaty concept. We need to be able to define it in this place. A place of clear definition. And in this passage, what does love look like? Let me tell you. It is about to look like a man on a cross. It is very gritty. It is very real. It involves blood. It involves sweat. It involves death to self. This is how God loves people. Daily, consistent, bloody, sweaty, patient, sacrificial, egoless, forgiving, relentless, non-grudge-bearing love. That's why we Christians say His mercies are new every morning. If you're not a Christian, come to Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. So how does Jesus want us to be? A place of daily, patient, bloody, sweaty, sacrificial, egoless, forgiving, relentless, non-grudge-bearing love. Daily, where we can say to each other, oh, their mercies are new to me each morning. I ask loads of people, what's love? What's the best way to show love? There's loads of ways, and more and more ways are being defined the further we go from this sort of moral source. Bible says some loves are dangerous. Bible says, in John 13, define your love in Park End with the Lord Jesus Christ right smack in the middle of it. That's, what we, that's how we're different. Jesus, His Word, the cross and resurrection, it has to be our unique selling point. And I'll tell you why, because things are a bit crazy at the moment. People are banning Bibles. And I read last week that church attendance in England is down to 4%. Isn't that astonishing? Did you know that 9% of Gen Z, as people born from the mid-90s to 2010, uh, only 9% go to church now. So what's our job in the chaotic world? Here's our motto. Busy ourselves with this. Need the dough. Work at being like Jesus. And you will find people being changed. But nobody is going to believe our gospel if you haven't spoken to someone here for 40 years because they didn't smile at you in 1983. It doesn't work like that. This is personal stuff. And I'm not calling us to never disagree or to never rebuke each other. 
This call here is to be a Christian family, a real one. To have the fundamental attitude that I want holiness for the person next to me. I want God in our lives. I would go to the cross for this person next to me, because that's where Jesus is going, and he says, be like me. I read a lovely quote, is this. Duty makes us do things well, but love makes us do things beautifully. Duty makes us do things well, but love makes us do things beautifully. And Lord, help us here to be beautiful, because the world will know if we're faking. Help us. Um, I'm going to close by sharing a dream of mine for this church for a few minutes. It's partly based from reading a dating advert in the Metro newspaper a couple of weeks ago. And it's partly based on the Bible. And it's partly from a friend's Facebook page. So, this was a dating advert in the Metro newspaper a few weeks ago. Uh, the section's called Kutch, by the way, if you're interested. And here's an advert. A uh, 70-year-old lady looking for a man. She says, I'm young at heart, so I'm looking for a 30-year-old. 70-year-old, <laughs> young at heart, looking for a 30-year-old. I thought, interesting description, possibly a touch delusional. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Then I thought, like, what would our description be in, in the newspaper, Park End Church? Like an honest assessment. Like, we might say we love one another. But would others who know us say, actually, that's a bit delusional. It's like that 70-year-old. They're not quite, like, that's wishful thinking, because I know them, and they're not really like Jesus to one another. So, friends, I have a dream. Slightly on the Bible. Slightly on my friend's Facebook page that I agreed with wholeheartedly and wanted to share with you. And I see touches of this, but I think we could make an even better pizza going forward. It's a dream based on John 13, and I'm sorry that so many of our church's experience have been utterly nothing like what I'm about to say. I have a dream, uh, a dream we love like Jesus loves, and that sinners meet Jesus because of the way we display Jesus, which means I have a dream that we put others first. So I have a dream of a place where egos and grudges daily bleed and die. I have a dream where even though we know it hurts to forgive someone and it, something of us has to die, we know we're going to have that awkward conversation because we've seen what true forgiveness is. It leads to resurrection. The death leads to resurrection. And I have a dream that Park End becomes a safe place where that's exercised. I have a dream that church members on average live longer because holding grudges ages people. And that shouldn't happen here. I have a dream that this is a safe place of confession and repentance where we don't think we're better than the person who walks through the door, even if they're the worst of sinners and they share their past with us. I have a dream that this is a safe place. I have a dream that this is where we really share life together and all airs and graces and pomp and ceremony fade away because we all know what we're really like, but it's still a safe place. And I love that because it means this is a family where we don't take each other too seriously and we can laugh at each other 
because we all know really how foolish and messed up we are and that Jesus is the only God-man that we get to offer to the world. We don't offer ourselves. I have a dream where we see other people in church tired and angry and frustrated and late and disorganized and unprepared and where children are arguing with their parents and spouses are arguing with each other but we still show up for one another and help each other through our failures. I have a dream that this is a safe place of daily love and patience where we point each other to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a dream where this local church family knows all too well how human we are but we walk on regardless together. I have a dream that we don't open a door for someone in church and smile at them but then slag them off at the dinner table two hours later but we pray for people. I have a dream where this is the safest and most trustworthy family in this part of Cardiff and we don't give out false respect and delusional privilege. We call each other out on stuff and we humble each other and I have a dream that we all know that we're there for each other, praying for each other, crying with each other, eating with each other, visiting each other, cooking for each other, repenting with each other, listening to each other. Now listen to this. I have a dream that we expose our lives to Christ and to each other. A dream of godly transparency and safety and trust where we can even check each other's phones and our internet search history and pick each other up when we've fallen time and time again. And even share how we've spent our time and money. Because it's not a burden. It's a gift to share life with people who truly love each other. So there we are. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.